pretend to understand, and for the sake of his sweet company only, I would not stir a step. But there is the chance of a row. You know more has resolved to have the new machinery, and he expects two wagon loads of frames and shears from Stilborough this evening. Scott and a few picked men are gone to fetch them. It is unlikely that this night will pass quite tranquilly. They will bring them in safely and quietly enough, sir. Moore says so, and he affirms he wants nobody. But I call him very careless. He sits in the counting-house with the shutters unclosed. He goes out here and there after dark just as if he were the darling of the neighbourhood, instead of its detestation. He takes no warning from the fate of Pearson, nor from that of Armitage, one shot in his own house, and the other on the moor. The evening was pitch dark. Star and moon were quenched in grey rain clouds. Malone tramped along the road, across the causeway, splish-splash through the mire-filled cart-ruts. He looked for certain landmarks, the spire of Briarfield Church, further on the lights of Red House Inn. He thought longingly of a tumbler of whisky and water, and he would instantly have realised the dream. But there the company were Mr. Helston's own parish. They all knew him. He sighed and passed on, hurrying in seeming trepidation down a short lane, across an obscure yard, and towards a huge black mill. The work hours were over, the hands were gone, all was at rest, and the mill shut up. Malone walked round it. Somewhere in its great sooty flank, he found a chink of light. He knocked, using for the purpose the thick end of his shillelagh. A key turned, the door unclosed, and a voice said, "'Is that Joe Scott? What news of the wagons, Joe?' "'No.' said Malone. It is myself Mr. Hellstone would send me. Oh, Mr. Malone. There was a faint trace of disappointment in the voice, and then it continued politely, I beg you will come in, Mr. Malone. Malone followed the speaker into a light and bright room within. The boarded floor was carpetless, and except for the excellent fire and lamp on a table, it was a very plain place. Plain as it was, it seemed to satisfy Malone who, when he had removed and hung up his wet surtout and hat, drew one of the rheumatic-looking chairs up to the hearth and set his knees almost within the red grate. "'Do you suppose that the putting up of this new machinery will bring you into danger?' inquired Malone, after a pause. "'I expected wagons at six. It is near nine now. I only wish the machines, the frames, were safe here within this mill. Once put up, I defy the frame-breakers.' Let them only pay me a visit, and take the consequences. My mill is my castle. One despises such low scoundrels, observed Malone. I almost wish a party would call upon you tonight. But the road seems extremely quiet when I came along. I saw nothing astir. What these fellows have done to others, they may do to me. I should stand by my trade, my mill, and my machinery. Malone whistled and looked impatiently around. Mr. Malone, you must require refreshment after your wet walk. I forget hospitality. Not at all, rejoined Malone, but he looked as if the right nail was at last hit on the head. It is my fancy to have every convenience and not to be dependent on the cottage yonder for every mouthful I eat or every drop I drink. I often spend the evening and sup here alone and sleep with Joe Scott in the mill. Mr. Malone, can you cook a mutton chop? Try me. 
I've done it hundreds of times at college. The curate turned up his coat cuffs and applied himself to the cookery with vigour. The manufacturer placed on the table plates, a loaf of bread, a black bottle and two tumblers. He then produced a small copper kettle, filled it with water from a large stone jar in a corner, set it on the fire beside the hissing chops, got lemons, sugar and a small punch bowl. The chops are done. Is the punch brewed? There is a glassful. Taste it. When Joe Scott and his minions return, they shall have a share of this, provided they bring home the frames intact. Malone waxed very exultant over the supper. He laughed aloud at trifles. He made bad jokes and applauded them himself. His host, on the contrary, remained quiet as before. Moore, being what you would probably call at first view, rather a strange-looking man, for he is thin, dark, sallow.